Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. So I'm excited. Um, obviously, we are in a uh, very special series. Um, the series that we're in right now is titled Soap, a, a clean uh, series for a dirty world. Um, and we have enjoyed some great messages. Um, talking to a couple of people in 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 the beginning of this series and after week one, we were like, we had no idea what he was doing with the soap and washing and showing us how to wash hands. And, uh, but it comes together. Um, it comes together and, and it's been a, a special series so far. And I'm going to recap a little bit week one and week two, uh, but I'm going to start by reading our series scripture. Amen? Amen. And if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Psalms 51, verse 1, and we'll read... Um, uh, we'll read 1 through 13. Psalms 51, verse 1, 1 through 13. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Verse 7, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Amen? Amen. The series is Soap. A clean series for a dirty world, and it's focused on evangelism. You know, Pastor Vaughn had talked about in week one how 
He believes the call of this church was to build the church and build the pillars and, and build the ministry teams and the, and the leaders themselves and, and see growth from it and get grounded from it and to focus on the these. You remember that week one? Sincerely subjective. We talked about focusing on the these. And he thought that this church has been growing and we were fruitful in making disciples and getting people to, to mature and with these courses uh, continue to grow. And the focus was on this church, in the church, and for those that are in the church, the these. He believes that we have come to a point in, in time now that this church needs to focus on the those. The ones outside of the church. The ones in the highways. The ones in the byways. Building and strengthening the pillars of this church and all of us that, that can minister to each other is wonderful. But at some point, you go from milk to meat and you got to be able to share the good news and share the gospel outside the church. Outside the city walls. Outside this suite, if you would. In week one, the title of the message was Sincerely Subjective. And he defined it this way. To be transparent, to be honest, to be specific. Sincerely subjective. Subjective in how it is real to you at that time. The specifics of your testimony can help to evangelize the specific of your testimonies and the time and, the, and how you felt the moment God took the weight of sin off of you can help you share others outside the church. Amen? Amen. Sincerely subjective. Because truth be told, that's what holds the power to evangelism is the testimony. Whether you're speaking about the testimony of Jesus Christ or the testimony of yours. For we're all saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Revelations 12, 11. That is where the power of evangelism comes in. Is the testimony. And it was amazing because I was listening to the message uh, uh, last week. And he, he brought up the verse uh, Romans eight twenty eight, And we all know uh, that everything works for good for those who are called and, and, and love according to uh, his purpose. But it was funny how Pastor used that scripture and he said, sometimes we are not in a good place and it's hard for us to evangelize. That we're, our story's not good right now. That our story may be 70 pages, but we're in page 5 and right now God's doing some building. God's doing some chiseling. God's doing some grounding, some grading, some growing, some planting. And it's not easy for us to share the good news when we're not in a good part of our story. Somebody say amen. amen. And it was interesting how he, how, he, how he shared that. But I'm here to tell you, um, if it's sincerely subjective, the message will always go through. The message will always go through because it's the sincerity that carries the power of the, event, of the testimony itself. 
So when you're sincere, when you are compelled to share the, what God has done for you, it's like, it's like being able to walk up to a stranger. I said it last week to where it's, in, it's a fire in your bones and, and you're able to walk up to a stranger and say, you don't understand, my family was jacked up. Um, my life has been turned upside down. I gave my life to Christ and no, it's not, it hasn't been all, you know, peaches and cream, but things have changed. My life has changed. My focus has changed. My family has changed. My children has changed. And it's that sincerity that carries the power. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 4, it says, For we are in this tent, grown, being burdened, not because, we, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. He shared this in week one about Paul saying that he is burdened by the, uh, the, the, the testimony itself. He is burdened by reaching out to people. He is burdened by... Um, Having to reach for the bar. Pastor Bon had talked about, um, you know, we're not going to raise the bar for people. You cannot raise the bar for people and, and give them that pass. Things may go tough in their life, but they still got to reach up. They still got to reach for the bar. They still got to reach for Jesus. Do you know that everything that grows on this planet grows towards the sun, the source of life? That is no different than the Christian life. Amen. We have to continue to reach to Christ in all that we do. So that was, uh, that was awesome how he put that together and the bar being raised, uh, groaning in the fact that uh, we need to be able to reach um, and to ask for that type of strength. Week two, uh, we looked at O in the series for soap. Obviously objective. So in, in week one, it's sincerely subjective, so it's personal to us. In week two, we looked at obviously objective to where it's not personal, it's factual. That regardless of how you feel, it's factual. Getting better at all that we do. How do we fight better? How do we pray better? Continuing to pursue the vision as a church. This was one of his quotes in week number two. Pastor Bone quoted this. If this is what God wants for this church, he believes that this is what God wants for all churches. If salvation and sanctification for one person is desired by Christ then Christ's desire is for everybody to be saved. And that's exactly what the Bible tells us. Amen. Obviously, objective. His definition that he gave us was plain, manifest, palpable, he used the word. Not influenced by opinion or emotion or feeling, but based on facts. Not how you feel, so it's not subjective, it's objective. He also gave this, uh, this analogy, and I, I used it later on in that day to him as we were talking, uh, and how I was, I, I, was, I was very touched by the message last week, um, obviously objective. But he used the fact like two apples plus two apples is four apples. Whether you like apples or not, objectively, two plus two is four. And with that being said... The Bible tells us, and the Bible is objectively, it doesn't matter. It is the same for um, you as it is for me, as it is for everyone else in this world. And it doesn't matter where you are in your life. It is still the Bible. It's still the Word of God. And it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he said, anyone minus Jesus is death. That's exactly what the Word of God tells us. 
that without Christ, we are damned to live in an eternity of a lake of fire. Amen? Amen. Sin can only be washed away by the blood of Jesus, he said. Subjective truth is based on your opinion and feelings, but objective truth is based on facts. And one of the things he said that I wrote down uh, when I heard the message was he said, so submission to objective truth is what sets people free. So submission to objective truth is what sets people free. The Word of God is what sets people free. It's never changing. So now that we've come up to week three and where we're at, we're at the letter A. And the title of this message is Always Aware. Always Aware. And you've got to remember, this series about evangelism is about those outside the church, not for the these that are inside. We do a lot of things for the ones that are these inside the church. We need to take a step up to do more for the, those outside the church. The ones in the highways, the ones in the byways, the widows, the orphans, the ones that have never heard about Jesus, who've never heard your subjective testimony, who have never heard your objective uh, scripture. Always aware, looking for life and death opportunities. Do you realize that everybody you speak to has got two destinations? They may spend eternity in heaven, or they may spend eternity in hell. I know this is not a popular message, and neither is this series. And he started off by saying that this series is not a, a series that many churches are willing to, to preach, but it's the truth. Every person we meet has got two destinations. You could be a part of that destination. You could be a part of that destination to heaven, and you could certainly be a part of that absence for them and into hell. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. When we are aware, when we are alert, things become visible to us. You see, the picture is not very uh, focused. But when you are aware and alert, you become to see, you be, you're able to see clearly. Genesis chapter 3 verse 7 says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened. It's talking about Adam and Eve. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loyal coverings. When you understand and when you're alert and aware, things become clear to you. We as a church need to be aware of the world that's dying around us. Some of us don't look at it as the world that's dying around us. Some of us are so happy to be in here. The AC set at 71. Our future is decided. We, we, uh, our lives are, are not as difficult as most. But when we talk about being aware and alert, life and death opportunities, we have to, have to be compassionate for every person we meet to understand they may burn in hell. 
or I can lead them to life. It's tough. It's a hard message to preach, but I believe wholeheartedly uh, that this is appointed and anointed. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I w- We're going to go through some scripture and the Bible clearly tells us that God's desire is for no one to perish. But his perfect will is different than his permissive will. Can I say that again? His perfect will is different than his permissive will. God's desire is that nobody to perish. If that's the case, why did he allow sin? We have to be alert and aware of these things. That all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are righteous unless through Jesus Christ. And with perhaps the greatest gift in the history of the earth, none of us are willing to share it with a stranger. None of us are willing to share it with our family, our siblings. Man, this is where the rubber meets the road. God's last command was go out and make disciples and preach the gospel. Is it God's will that people be saved? Absolutely. But clearly we know not everybody's going to be saved. Clearly we know some are going to hell. And it's by their choice. The question is, for us, for the church, for the people here at the way, do we have a hand in them sending them to hell or do we have a hand in them sending them to heaven? That's pretty harsh when you think of it. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says, This is good and acceptable, that in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God's desires that everybody knows the truth, that everybody gets to heaven, that no one would perish. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 5, uh, 9 says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but his patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So how is it that if it's God's desire and God's will that none of us perish, that there's sin in the world, that we have to take this gift that is through faith and it's by the grace of Christ and the grace of God and we have to share it. That's how God appointed it. He didn't create sin, but he allowed room for it because he wants the true at heart to love him with all their hearts. He wants you to make the decision whether you go to heaven or whether you go to hell. He wants you to make the decision if you choose his son to save you and to wash you. He wants you to decide if his son is worth the sacrifice. I figured it would be quiet. And that's okay. So to begin the, to the answer to the question is, is it God's will that all people be saved? Absolutely. 
It's in the Bible, and the Bible clearly tells us. But that does not mean everybody will be saved. That does not mean everybody's going to heaven. Proverbs 21.3 says, To do righteousness and justice is desired by the Lord rather than sacrifice. But people still, in spite of God's stated desire, will perish in hell. So when I tell you that there's a difference between God's perfect will and his permissive will, we see that in scriptures. In his perfect will, he desires that all refrain from sin, but in his permissive will, he allows people to sin. In the same sense, he has two wills regarding sin. He desires that sin not exist because it's contrary to his nature. He desires that sin not um, be a part of our lives because it's contrary to who he is. But he makes provision for it because it's his sovereign plan. What I'm telling you is that God wills the circumstances to exist to make sin possible, but he is not responsible for the sin that occurs. Are you hearing me? I need to tell you this and you need to understand this so that you can understand the gravity of the situation when you walk up to somebody or say somebody or you hang up the phone on somebody or whatever encounter you may have with a non-believer, you have to understand the severity of this. God allowed sin to come into this. He made room for it. He did not create it. He made room for it because he wants us to choose him. So you, you would say, well, Ray, how does God use our sin for his glory or his purpose? I'll give you a great example in Genesis uh, chapter 50, 20. It may not be up there, and that's okay. Joseph's brother, who sell, uh, sinned by selling him into slavery and lying to their father about it, many years when the family was reunited, Joseph himself says, And as for you who meant evil against me, God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. God will use the sin that he made room for, to bring others to Christ. Can somebody say amen? amen? So his desire is not that anyone would perish, but he knows people will not choose him. That's a very tough pill to swallow. Think about King Herod and Pontius Pilate. Along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. Acts chapter 4 verse 27 they say, To do whatever thy hand and thy purpose predestined to occur. God used Herod and Pontius Pilate to make sure Jesus carried his own cross. God made sure that the sacrifice he was going to provide was going to be available and sufficient. Soap, a clean series for a dirty world. I've begun to look at many things differently in my life, probably when I hit 
45, that was a couple years ago, or 40, 42. And um, first it started off materialistically. I began to just be content with whatever I had. Uh, and then that kind of grew into um, what's really important in life. Okay, health. That's a big thing. You know, it's said that most wealthy people will give up health to earn wealth. And when they, when they become wealthy, they wish they would give up the wealth so they can become healthy again. So health became kind of important to me. Obviously going through some tough health issues for the last couple of years. I began to look at things differently. And this is no different. When I look at evangelism, when I look at how do, I, how do I share my testimony, how do I tell people about the love of Christ, how do I do this? And there's no blueprint for it. There's not a perfect script for every response. There's not a video for, for everybody's circumstance, whatever genre they're in. There's not a perfect uh, playlist for it. I'm sorry, it just doesn't work that way. The only thing I can tell you is this is obviously objective. My testimony is sincerely subjective and that's it. And that's how the church should be. It should be a double-edged sword. Well, the Bible tells us that the word of God is a double-edged sword. This church has to be a double-edged sword. Pastor Vaughn mentioned it either last week or the first week of this series is that we need to be a double-edged church. We have to focus on the inside and we have to focus on the outside. Amen. There are people dying in this world. And we're enjoying lunch at Soup Plantation with the fellow believers. We had a testimony from Mel and how they prayed over somebody who was moving. I don't remember the details of the, of the testimony, but it was special. That's how it should be. It should come out of us naturally. There's no perfect line, scripture to use, uh, sermon you could send them, podcast you could share. There's nothing perfect. The only thing that's perfect is your specific testimony, sincerely subjective, and the word of God, which is obviously objective. That's it. And we have to be alert and aware of this dying world. A surgeon, when he begins to go in surgery, he's alert and aware that I have the power that I could either put my scrubs on, put my gloves on, and protect this patient that I'm about to have surgery on from infection, or I could be negligent just walking through life and do what I need to do with no gloves and create a life and death situation. It happens to anybody who's responsible for the safety of others. And the Bible calls us to be responsible for the safety of others. Amen. As Christians, you are called to go out and preach the gospel. As Christians, you are called to say, hey, brother, are you right with the Lord? You don't have to say it like that. You could say, hey, sister, man, oh, you're struggling with your marriage? I, I get that. I... It's probably no, no place for me to talk about it, but I will tell you one thing. I have a great testimony, and God used me to, to, to 
reunif reunify my wife and my children and my marriage has been restored and I can't believe it. Your evangelistic opportunity, like we mentioned before, does not have to be the Crusades, does not have to be a mission trip. It can be a text, it can be a conversation, it can be a phone call, and it can certainly be a hug or a love on somebody when they're dying in this world. And this church in the city is called to go out and reach the lost. Don't be afraid to tell somebody you are loved. That's all you have to say. They may th be thinking about suicide right then in that moment, and you give them a hug, and they haven't gotten a hug from their parents in 25 years. I tell my children every day I love you. It doesn't matter how mad I am at you. I still love you. It's no different. We are all called to make disciples and preach the gospel. Matthew 28, 18, verse 20 says, We are called to this great commission. It's not just a, a, a normal commission or a command. It's titled the Great Commission. It's also known as evangelism, but whatever you call it, you're called to do it. Call it what you want. You're called to do it. God says, I can make everybody aware of my presence. I can make everybody turn to me. But I want them to decide for themselves. And I'm going to use people on this earth to spend eternity with me in heaven. What a privilege. You have the greatest gift in your hand. And you're not willing to share it? It doesn't matter if you speak the same language. It doesn't matter if it's your father who's a grumpy old man and you've, you haven't seen eye to eye in 20 years for, to him. Send him a text and say, God loves you. I've had a wonderful experience at church. God has done amazing things in my life. I just wanted to share it with you. And I hope that you understand and you feel what I feel. That's all it may be. Policemen are alert and aware of life and death opportunities, right? Before they get on the scene, they know all the communication. They know who they're looking for. They know what's going on. They know what has happened. They are alert and aware. Firefighters don't roll up to the scene and look at the fourth floor and see a fire that is bursting through the windows and then crank out an elevator that's a floor short. They're alert and aware of life opportunities and life and death opportunities. It's no different for the Christian. You have to look at your coworker and say, hey, man, is he dying and going to hell, Lord? Does he know you? Trip out on this. God is so gracious and so loving and so merciful. He may not even need you to speak. All you may have to say is, Lord, it is my will and my desire, and I know that it's yours, so that he won't perish. Give him an opportunity to hear the word. If you want to use me, cool. If not, use somebody else, and I want to see him in heaven. That's it. But we are so busy with life. We are so busy with junk in our, in our minds and in our hearts. We can't even sit there and look at somebody and say, Lord... I don't have the strength or the boldness or the understanding of the scripture to bring him to you, but I'm going to pray for him right now. And in this prayer, I want you to hear me, and your word tells me that you do not desire anybody to perish. 
So take this prayer and plant a seed somewhere and use somebody that's maybe more capable or qualified, but I know if you want to use me, then use me. Man, we have to take it serious. It's a dying world. Reaching the lost with the gospel of Christ is of the utmost importance. Our, decline. Our scripture that's on our postcards, that's on our flyers. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life, and nobody comes to me. Uh, sorry, um, that, call, that call made me. And no one comes to the Father through me. If you have the Son, and you know no one comes to the Father unless through the Son, and you're not willing to share the Son, shame on us. The Bible's telling us there's only one way to heaven, and that's for them to know Jesus Christ. And if you know Jesus Christ, and you're not willing to share that name, and the power that's in that name, shame on us. It doesn't matter what ministry you're part of. Shame on us. This is not about getting more people on sidewalk sanctuary. This is not about getting more volunteers in the children's church. This is not about getting um, more elders raised up in the church. This is not about any of that. This is about saving a lost world and giving this dying world the gift that we have that has given us life. It is imperative that Christians be evangelic, evangelistic people. The souls of the lost are in the balances of us. He's called us to bring the gospel to others. The scripture says that every knee and every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. That means everybody in this world that has ever lived has had an opportunity to know the love of Christ and to know the difference between heaven and hell. That's what the scriptures say, and I believe it wholeheartedly, and it's black and white. And in that, God can use a flower to share uh, a tribal leader to understand that something created that flower. And for that tribal leader who doesn't speak any language to understand that something created that, that person has an opportunity to choose right then and there to either serve the creator or to perish. God even uses the people that he created, his greatest creation, to do the same thing. Many of us don't even understand that, that God could bring salvation to somebody through a rock, through a flower, through a tree. Through creation. Well, what are we? Are we not created? And so much more created in whose image? Come on. When we talk about sharing the gospel with people, when we talk about bringing life, oh, man, it, it is tough to understand that we can be called out of darkness, we can be called out of the dominion, and be con conveyed and ushered into the kingdom. And into the sun with all this love. 
We have found this marvelous light, the gospel. We, we've been commanded and the privilege is on us to help others find their way out of spiritual darkness. What a challenge, what a privilege. Evangelism is commanded by, by, by Jesus himself. The Great Commission in Mark chapter 15 verse 16 refers to this. In dealing with the Great Commission, it's easy, man. Just share your testimony. That's all you need to do. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to tell somebody, oh, there's a difference between God's permissive will and His perfect will. No! Just tell them your testimony. They are saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The blood of the Lamb, which is Jesus, and the word of the testimony. The blood of the Lamb, which is obviously objective, and the word of the testimony, which is sincerely subjective. Are you getting this? Turn with me to 2 Peter, chapter 3, verse 9. 2 Peter, chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slacking concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Evangelism, being alert, being aware, is part of God's plan. It is the plan of God, it is the desire and the hope of God that all mankind be saved. And he's provided a way and a people to make that happen. By not only sending his son, but also sending us to those who have received his son. Can I get an amen? Amen. You know, we all have to... <clears throat> At some point in our walk, we all got to carry our own cross. We got to carry our own burden. We got a great example in, in, in Christ when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and asking his father, if there's any other way, let it pass. But if not, let your will be done. You realize what's done is heaven will be done here on earth, right? Are you following me? Yeah. The Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done, Thy kingdom come, here on earth as it is in heaven. Whatever's done there will be done here. You may be a part of it, you may not be. So when Jesus, 2,018 years ago, carried His cross, we are called to carry our own cross. Amen. Part of that carrying, part of that privilege, part of that responsibility... It's showing people, I've got a cross to carry. Where'd you get that? 
Man, that looks heavy. No, man, it's freedom. This is what cleansed me. What? Wait a minute. You're carrying a cross and you're telling me you have freedom now? Absolutely, man. That cross freed me of all my sin, all my guilt, all my anxiety, all my depression, all my addiction. And it is an honor to carry this cross. Let me tell you about it. Amen. That's evangelism. Amen. When you get to a point to understand that you are grateful on carrying your own cross, man, that means you've met the one who was on the cross. I'm going to land this pretty soon, but I want to share something with you. It is going to be a sad day because some of us will lose a family member to the other side. It's going to be a sad day when perhaps a child of yours will not be with you in heaven. It's going to be a tough day when perhaps your dear friend is not basking in the glory of, the God, of God Almighty. It's going to be tough when a co-worker that you have seen for over 20 years, day in and day out, eight hours a day, doesn't make it to heaven. If that doesn't give you chills, I don't know what does. If you are not alert and aware of that situation and that possibility, I would challenge, is the spirit alive in you? Because if it is, it doesn't matter who it is, what you say, what their response is. Man, you could have somebody curse you out, give you the number one signal and say, Lord, I tried. It didn't work out, but you know that my heart was there, and I did it. Can you please send somebody who can get to that person? God will say, I, I, I am pleased with that. Well done, faithful servant. I only want obedience over sacrifice. Thank you. Amen. That's it. Think of that. Think of your child. When that day comes, can you imagine holding your child... And then him being gone and taken away and you're left? Can you imagine if the roles were reversed? If you were holding your child and that day comes, the trumpet sounds, you're not alert, you're not aware, you get taken up and your child is left here. Mom, where are you? Dad, where'd you go? What happened? This is serious. Isaac, can you play that little clip for me? That's the moment when people are left behind. See the chaos? That's just in a moment. You know what the Bible tells me and tells you? There's going to be seven years of that. Do you want your loved ones to be left behind? Your children? Your co-workers, because you're a little afraid or not comfortable, let God do the work for you, man. Let your life be the testimony. Let, let the things you do be the evangelism in you. 
You may never have to preach the gospel. You may never have to be behind a pulpit and you could bring hundreds to know the love of Christ and to avoid that. Imagine if that was your child left behind, your spouse. Evangelism, it's what we're called to do. If we're not aware, if we're not always aware of life and death opportunities, these, these things will happen to the ones we love. And then I would challenge you, do you really love them? Don't get me wrong. I'm, I, I'm not at my family at a family wedding preaching the gospel. I'm no different than you, but I let my life do it speaking. When they say, man, how are you and Sarah doing? You guys got all these kids from all these different worlds, and how does it all make sense? I don't know. God does it for us. And then they walk away, but that was my opportunity to be evangelistic. That was my opportunity to share my testimony, whether they wanted to hear it or not. Hey, Raymond, you want a drink? No, I don't do that. What? Now they don't even ask. They don't talk to us about things like that. They look at us differently. You want to you want to you want to be on the inside of a secret real quick between the Jarrett's, the Arakelians and the Mikhails and this family tie that is that has run through these families. The only common denominator is Jesus Christ. And we're completely separated and isolated most of the time if we're at a wedding or in the family. And that's okay because we're letting our testimony speak for itself. Do you know who they asked to, to, to marry the family? Pastor Vaughn. Do you know who they asked for advice? Ray and Gary. Do you know who they asked for marital support and therapy? Pastor Vaughn. That's his opportunity to share the gospel. It's going to be tough. You're going to be isolated. But you've got to be alert and you've got to be aware because those people that are in the midst of, of that chaos can be your family. 2 Corinthians 5.14, the love of Christ compels us. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is our example. When, when we read John 3.16, we realize that the greatest gift was given by God, His only begotten Son, for us. And you're going to hold on to it. That's how much the Heavenly Father loved us. Jesus showed His love and that He died for us. We need to love the lost and help them find salvation. Whether it's Jericho, whether it's Children's Church, whether it's the youth, whether it's the young adults, whether it's uh, financial peace, whatever, whether it's um, the worship team, the ultimate goal for any ministry, for any Christian, for any church is bring the lost to salvation. I find it troubling that this is not a common message. I find it heartbreaking that this is not what is being taught and preached in the kingdom. 
But what I do find comforting is that this church is open and willing to step out of their comfort zone, to step out, step out of their normal seat and invite a stranger to 31 status, to invite a child. I had the privilege of... I had the privilege of uh, partaking in the uh, last month's children's ministry. And I'm just trying to help. I'm just trying to be uh, helpful uh, in whatever the children's church director needs, uh, whatever the ministry needs, whatever it may be. And I was overjoyed by the simple fact, not in the preparation, not in the communication, not in the little task that, that uh, Miss Vanessa had given us. None of that impressed me more other than the focus of the children's ministry was to bring kids to Christ. That's on her P&P, that's on her vision, that's on her statement. That is the focus. That child may be the, the one and only time that, is, that he or she is here. Nothing. So it was a blessing to be a part of it. It was um, a reminder that if you look at my kids, every one of them grew up in church. And for most, for most of their growth without me in the church. That is crazy to think that God used other people other than their parents and, my, and me to speak to the kids. It's because of ministries like that that focus on evangelism. Evangelism is important because we are lost outside of Christ. It is only by coming to the Father through Jesus can one have eternal life. As Christians, we're all called to be alert and aware of life and death opportunities. I'm going to land this plane, no pun intended, with that movie clip. But there was no pilot in there. That pilot was taken up. When that trumpet sounds and the saints that are alive here on earth are meeting Jesus in the clouds, the rest get to fend for themselves for the next seven years. They have another opportunity. The Bible tells us it's even harder, though, for them during the tribulation to come to know the love of Christ. Turn with me to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16.
Let's start at 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Does that sound like some Christians? But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was there that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. I think it was David and I and somebody else, we were having a conversation about this specific scripture and when I was putting this message and what, what Pastor had, had called to, uh, to share his vision, I immediately thought about this scripture and this story. And there is no greater point in this entire story than this verse. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes. He is not dead. He is fully aware and alert. He is fully aware and alert. He's in a life and death opportunity, but guess what? It's too late for him. Not only does he see Abraham, but he also sees Lazarus. I don't know about you, but that terrifies me. I don't want my friend from high school to see me from Hades, lift up his eyes, knowing that he's alert and aware, see Jesus, and then see me in Jesus' bosom and say, Ray, do you remember? You never told me about this, Jesus. Verse 24 says, Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may, they, may he dip his finger in water to cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he's comforted and you're tormented. And besides all this between us, you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to there cannot, nor those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you before I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, and that they may testify to them, lest they may also come to this place of torment. Do you think it's a coincidence that the word that, that the rich man is using is testify? Can you send somebody to testify to my father's house? Can you send a evangelist, an evangelist to my house? Can you send a Christian who's been touched by the love of God to share their testimony? They can share their sincerely subjective or obviously objective testimony with my father. It's not a coincidence he's using the same word that we're asking this church to use outside this church. Your testimony. 
Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that they may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to them, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, the one rise from the dead. You were prophets. That's what the scripture is about. It's about a man who is being tormented in Hades, asking for forgiveness when it's too late, who was not aware of life and death opportunities. Will you allow that to happen to your friend, to your family, to your child, to your spouse? It says they won't, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, they won't hear it if somebody rise from the dead. It's the same testimony we have. Somebody rose from the dead for us, right? The only difference is, is that we believe. Are you willing to share that testimony? Or is it okay for you to let that happen to your loved ones? Izzy, come on up. Actually, Izzy, no, enjoy altar. Let's play some music. I'm going to open the altar and, and Isaac will uh, play some music. <clears throat> and if you don't know the love of Christ that we're referring to, please raise your hand. If there is 1% 1 chance that heaven and hell is real, wouldn't you share that with somebody? And you and I believe that way more than 1%. So by the show of hands, everybody here is a Christian and an evangelist. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Everybody here may not be willing now, may not be capable now, but is open for God to use them to bring someone to the love of Christ. Amen. That's all he needs. He just needs a willing heart. Let him do the work. It could be a text, it could be a song, it could be a conversation, a phone call, it could be a Bible study, it could be financial peace, whatever it may be. Christians living in expectation of the return of the blessed hope. Titus chapter 2 tells us that we ought to be inclined to tell others to live for the Lord. This crown that we hold is a crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4.8. And it's promised for those who are looking for the Lord's coming and living for Him while we are waiting. We must be found. We must find those that are lost. We must be watchful. We must be waiting. 
and taking people's names in the name of Jesus. You have the ability to change a book. The book called the book of life. That person's name will be written there because you loved on them, shared with them, shared a scripture, gave them a hug, told them about Jesus, gave them your testimony, whatever you do. Can you imagine that privilege and the responsibility? So I'm going to open up the altar. Just come and say, Lord, help me. I don't know how to share. All I know is what you've done for me. Take that and use it. Keep it open for me. And pray. Pray that God would use your testimony. Pray that God would use your, 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 your tests as a testimony. Pray that God would use your, your, your failures to show fruitfulness. Pray that God would use the cracked pot to water flowers. Pray that God would use an imperfect person in the city of Brea to bring one unto salvation. That's what we're called to do. Go ahead, Isaac. I'm going to open the altars, and if you need prayer, come up. Come up because this is a life and death situation. We have to be aware of life and death opportunities. There's a new time, a new place, a new way, a new shape, a new wine, a new spirit, a new way forward that this church has to go. We have gone up. We have gone within. But if you're here, pray that you can go out. I was nowhere you came to my rescue. From the grave I've been raised. When I needed a savior to save me, Jesus, you made a way. listening. The Way would love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.